For some, cemeteries are fascinating monuments to social history. For others, they're eerie gardens populated by the dead. No matter which stance you take on cemeteries, they are absolutely chock-a-block with fascinating folklore and superstitions about how to bury people, how to move around cemeteries, and just generally how to avoid dying. Let's find out what some of those are in this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host, Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Why, hello there and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. I hope you're enjoying Freaky February if you're following along with the podcast or just enjoying February if this is your first time here in these parts. We are moving on from what is basically a little bit of a strange segue from Valentine's Day superstitions last week to cemetery superstitions this week. But let's be honest, that's clearly how we roll over here in the Fabulous Folklore family, which you can join on Patreon. And any money that I make through Patreon basically goes straight back into the podcast. So for a dollar a month, you can just simply enjoy the warm and fuzzies of helping a podcast that you enjoy. For $2 a month, you'll get all of the blog posts in a clickable link, PDF print ready magazine type format. For $4 a month, you'll get that plus an extra exclusive episode that's only on Patreon. And then for $8 a month, you get all of that, plus any books that I release in future absolutely free. Now I've got that cheeky little plug out of the way, let's crack on with the episode. Now, as I say, we're doing cemeteries this week. Some people think that they're really quite creepy and are really strange and not the kind of place that you'd hang out in. Other people think that they're fascinating monuments to social history. And I think you probably won't be at all surprised if you've listened to the podcast before to learn that I would fall into the latter camp. And I am actually planning on writing a book about sort of cemetery law and all this kind of stuff. And if that is indeed something you'd be interested in, please do feel free to tweet me at Icy Sedgwick so I can check that it's not just me that finds this stuff really interesting. So let's get on with the episode. Now, the decline in the popularity of burial, because obviously a lot of people like being cremated now, and the relocation of post-death practices to undertakers rather than families has created a bit of an aura of mystery around death, particularly nowadays. So death is something that tends to happen away from the home, and then everything that happens after the person dies happens away from the home, and then obviously the, the body's buried or cremated or whatever you've chosen, and then, you know, that's the that's the process that we follow. But despite all of this, and obviously in, in days gone by, you know, people would take care of the of the corpse themselves, they would prepare them, they would sit up with them, and then they would take them to the cemetery themselves. So there is a bit of a difference there. But the cemetery superstitions still hold sway even now. And I would also like to point out just quickly that there is a difference between a graveyard and a cemetery. A graveyard is always attached to a church, so it's sometimes called a churchyard for obvious reasons, whereas a cemetery is just literally a burial place that is not attached to a church. There's often a chapel there, because obviously that's where they might have services, but it's it's, it's essentially just a cemetery. And then the word does originally come from a Greek word that essentially means to sleep, which I think is a slightly nice thing to bear in mind. Now, I have talked about deathly folklore before, And if you remember way back when 
in the episode about corpse roads, there was the idea that the body should leave the home feet first and that mourners should take the body on quite a meandering sort of route. And that basically stopped the spirit from finding its way back home to haunt the living. And some people actually believe that carrying the corpse in your own car is bad luck. Although, let's be honest, undertakers might have just put that particular one about to preserve their business. Who knows? Despite all this, obviously that was all around corpse roads, but there are then regular superstitions about cemeteries. And one of them actually concerns the orientation of the graves themselves. Now, most graves lie east to west. So the body should have its head at the west and its feet to the east. And that way it means that the body's facing the rising sun and the final judgment in the east. So essentially on judgment day, when the call goes up, you kind of stand up and you're facing the right way, essentially. Now, Ruth Richardson actually notes that burying people with their feet facing the sun actually predates Christianity and all churchyards simply preserved the custom. So the idea of simply facing the rising sun is not necessarily strictly related to just a Christian belief and it just, Christianity ran with it because it also worked for them as well. But Richardson does point out that this tradition does seem to disappear with the massive 19th century urban cemeteries and they were, and she quotes, planned on picturesque, utilitarian and socially stratified lines and basically tradition ended up counting for little. Now I remember doing a tour of Highgate Cemetery back in the day and if you've never done the the tour of the West Cemetery, you should, it's fantastic. But they pointed out that people would buy plots kind of based on their status and the plots like nearest the path were more expensive and people would try and choose a good spot where people would more people would kind of go past their grave and that just basically says everything you need to know about Victorian society in my book but there we go and it is quite interesting that because of the fact that the whole east-west thing then didn't really become as much of a thing anymore it could explain why the graves in Jesmond Old Cemetery which is like Newcastle's answer to Highgate run north to south And that didn't stop the great and good of Victoria Newcastle clamouring to be buried there. And you'd think, obviously, people are then therefore no longer bothered which way around their grave runs. But you'd be wrong, because in 2012, residents in the Welsh town of Aberystwyth actually lodged complaints that some of the graves in one of their cemeteries ran north to south. And the council defended the decision based on the topography of the site. So obviously they've done it for practical reasons. And then they had a a new solution was to allow local people to request burial in a section that still ran east to west. So it did seem a little bit strange because you had had all these massive urban cemeteries that weren't east to west. People still wanted to be buried in that orientation. And interestingly, an Anglo-Saxon burial ground, as opposed to a cemetery in East Sussex, actually has portions that run north to south and also other graves running at other orientations. So it is entirely possible that not everybody, even in the the pre-Christian era, actually wanted to have an east-west orientation. So the orientation of the graves is one thing, but what other superstitions can we find if we do a bit of digging? Pardon the pun. Open graves are themselves ill omens and graves shouldn't be left open overnight or they would actually herald another death. Now this one is a little bit sticky for me because it doesn't specify an open but as yet unoccupied grave or one containing a coffin. And if it's the former then I'm guessing the second death could be whoever fell into the empty hole. And if it's the latter then obviously you might worry that there'd be grave robbers if you'd buried someone and not actually covered them up yet. There was also a superstition that corpses shouldn't be buried with their jewellery or bad luck would befall the family. And it is more likely that people didn't bury jewellery again to deter grave robbers. 
And if you listen to the episode about premature burial that was like two episodes ago, you'll hear a whole range of stories about people who were buried seemingly after dying and then actually turned out that no, they weren't. They'd been buried alive and somebody woke them up by trying to steal their jewellery. But it's one of those things, whenever you try to get people not to do something, creating some kind of superstition is often the best way to do it. And it's also not only superstitions around the graves themselves. There's also one that gravediggers should leave their gravedigging tools at the site for a day or more and moving them too soon is a bad luck omen. And personally, I think that one probably dates to periods of epidemics. Having to move the tools quickly implies the need for several burials in a single day. And the only reason I can think of for something like that is during something like a cholera outbreak or something where you've got to dig a lot of graves quickly. So if you can dig a grave and then not have to move the tools, then it obviously doesn't imply there's a lot of people dying at the same time. But the mourners needed to be careful as well. There were also superstitions that dictated their behaviour. And leaving the side of a grave before the gravedigger lowers the coffin meant another death would follow. And rain also plays a part in quite a lot of these. And I've heard two cemetery superstitions around rain and open graves. And one says that bad luck will befall the deceased's family if rain falls in an open grave. So that would be another reason not to leave them open. And others believe that the deceased would actually go to hell and a relative would die within a year. However, it gets even more confusing when you consider the saying, blessed are the dead that rain falls on. So how can the dead be blessed if they get rained on, but their family are going to experience another death? This is where it all gets really confusing and they're possibly not all coming from the same place. And also it's considered good luck if rain falls on the corpse during its journey from the house to the cemetery. So by that logic, you would want rain during the procession and then it would clear up when you started doing the actual funeral. It's entirely possible that the superstitions around rain date to a particularly wet area, so if an epidemic followed a rainy spell, people might then link the bad weather with the following deaths and so a superstition was born. And some of these superstitions are quite difficult to date, but one of the things is very common to all of them and they predict that deaths will follow. And you do have to remember that the mortality rate was not the same as it is now. And according to the Office for National Statistics, the life expectancy at birth for boys in the UK in 1841 was just 40. And the average age of death was actually closer to 45. And for girls, the life expectancy at birth was 43, although on average they usually died around 48. Now, by 1981, the average age had risen to 73 for men and 80 for women. We enjoy a very different mortality rate than people did in those days. So you can see why they'd be trying to avoid death where possible. Many people considered it extremely bad luck to be the first burial in a cemetery. I mean, I would consider it would be bad luck for the individual to need to be buried at all, but that's how the superstition ran. And I'm going to assume that they meant it was bad luck for the family to be the first burial in a cemetery. So brand new cemeteries would often bury an animal or a vagrant as the first burial instead. And this was even the case in Jesmond Old Cemetery, which opened in 1834. So you would often find that they'd bury a a dog or something instead. And I did actually hear a ghost tale once that the spirit of the first burial remains to guard the cemetery. And maybe that's why it was considered unlucky. So the other burials would pass on into the next life, but you'd be stuck hanging around. And that could also explain why it was considered bad luck to visit a cemetery at night because you'd possibly encounter the guardian spirit. And I've also heard it said that it's the spirit of the last burial who has to remain to watch over the others. And I don't quite believe that one because no one would know how long a cemetery would be open until the authorities considered it closed. So that's a bit of a sticky one for me. 
And obviously, as I said earlier, moving around cemeteries had their own problems and their own superstitions. And it was considered bad luck to be the first mourner to leave the cemetery. And that could even invite death. And a related superstition claimed that if a woman left the cemetery first, a woman would be the next to die. If a man left first, a man would be the next to die. So naturally, people did need to leave the cemetery eventually. So perhaps families took servants along to leave before the mourners did. And I do wonder what happens if he actually left in pairs, so neither of you were the first to leave. I don't know if anyone did that. And I've long remembered that you should hold your breath while passing a cemetery unless you want to inhale the spirit of the recently departed. I can't, I think I was only little when I heard that one and I can't remember where I heard it. But even now I still, you know, I don't do it, but I still remember it whenever I go past one. Alternatively, you can tuck your thumbs into your fists if you pass a cemetery in order to protect your parents from an early death. And the most famous of the cemetery superstitions that I've come across is that it's considered bad luck to step over a grave. And I know I always apologise if I need to, and I have no idea why I do that. And I've also said that he who walks over a grave will soon die. That said, many cemeteries use the areas that are now under footpaths as the site of unmarked graves for the poor, so plenty of people will have walked over them. So whether it has to be a proper demarcated grave or just a burial site, I don't know. But there is a possible reason why it was the graves rather than just the unmarked graves that were the problem. Because a grave could collapse once the coffin decayed. So obviously the, the earth would basically fall, fall in around where the coffin had been and obviously the ground would sink. And that could cause instability in the ground. Whereas in the graves of the poor, families would usually bury their relatives in shrouds. So you wouldn't have this same issue around collapses. So the superstition possibly results from that. Doctors actually advise pregnant women not to walk on graves or their children would be born with club feet. And obviously in earlier times when you had poor medical advice and people didn't have the same understanding that they did now, it would be much easier to blame a disability on something that the woman did rather than to try and understand the nature of the disability itself. And even pointing at a grave could bring bad luck. And given the proliferation of photos of graveyards, that means a lot of people have been willingly courting bad luck. And I should say when I point this out, I've got a whole series of photographs of cemeteries that I've been to, usually around the UK, on the blog post that accompanies this particular episode. And one of the images from Abney Park Cemetery in uh, near Stoke Newington is quite interesting because I picked up a weird sort of rainbow over some of the, the graves, which is a particularly odd one. But I've obviously been willingly courting bad luck by taking so many photos. That's always good. And my final superstition that I want to leave you with is that according to one website, collecting epitaphs also meant that the collector would lose their memory. And that really would explain quite a lot in my case. Now, personally, I think it's quite fascinating to see how many of these relate to don't do this or this will happen. And it nearly always comes around the fact that a death would follow. And like I said earlier, I think part of the reason for that is if you're living in an earlier time where you've got less medical advice, you've got less medical help available, you wouldn't necessarily understand the nature of disease and so on. You would obviously be trying to avoid death wherever possible. And one way to kind of give you a sense of control over your environment is to follow superstitions. That's essentially what they're for. So we generally don't have a lot of them now, or if we do, we don't really know why we follow them and we possibly don't really believe them, but we do them anyway, just in case. So I think, you know, who wants to sort of flirt with disaster in that particular fashion? So it is quite interesting to see how many of these superstitions actually still exist, like, you know, it's bad luck to walk over a grave versus the ones that I've come across where I'm like, yeah, I've not heard those ones about like mourners leaving the cemetery and so on. Those ones seem to have disappeared into the mists of time. So I hope you enjoyed 
that little collection of cemetery superstitions. If you are a fellow taffophile, which means lover of graveyards, please do let me know because obviously it's always nice to meet another one. It's one of those things where I genuinely like going to see them, to look at the architecture, how the, the architecture reflects the art styles of the time. And then obviously you've got the actual monuments themselves. I mean, one of the monuments in Highgate actually details how a woman died and it was it was all very tragic and things like that aren't usually preserved on a headstone. So it's basically a, a way of collecting all these human lives into one place. And that's what I find quite interesting about them. They're as much a celebration of life as they are death. But that's just me. As I say, I do really want to write a book about this. So let me know if you're interested in that at all. Next week, we're actually going to have a look at Sinitas because I thought that would pair quite nicely with this episode because of the fact that obviously it's all about death and burial. And, you know, let's have a look at more cheerful stuff in February. And then we're going to round out the month with Spring Heel Jack. So it's basically from one extreme to the other. And Spring Heel Jack is fascinating. So I hope you enjoy that one. So as I say, I hope you enjoy all that. I hope you have a marvellous week ahead. If protecting yourself from things is something that is an actual concern for you, I did put together a little guide for five ways to protect your home using folklore. Obviously, please take this with a pinch of salt because it is folklore. I would still recommend investing in a burglar alarm, but you can get that by signing up to my list at www icsedgwick.com forward slash fab hyphen folklore and all you'll basically get as well I'm not going to be bombarding you with requests to buy things it's just every week you'll get a link to the blog post to let you know that it's gone live and that's what you get for signing up to my list but you will get the guide as well if you're interested in the strange ways that people have protected their home using folklore over the years so that is enough waffle from me for this week I hope you have an absolutely fabulous week ahead and I will see you soon Cheerio.